Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In this league, Podcast Network presents Prospect One, the Fantasy Prospect Podcast. Prospect One, with your host, Chris Welch. This is the Fantasy Baseball Prospect Podcast, Prospect One. I am your host, Chris Welsh, who you can find on Twitter at Is It The Welsh? The same for the Instagram. Going to have some stuff popping out for the Arizona Fall League and over at InThisLeague.com. That is my Patreon. It is a brand new month. I know baseball's over. It seems unlikely. Why would you be doing baseball stuff? Well, you're listening to a prospect show. This is where things start to pop off. More shows. Live AFL Journal, Ranks, Dynasty, P180Ps, all of that is in the work, so it is a perfect time to sign up, and I appreciate your support, especially as the AFL rolls around. Some of my baseball in-season duties come off, and we're going to just jump right into prospect stuff when it feels like prospect land goes away. So go to InThisLeague.com, sign up today, five bucks will get you in on the Ranks. You can get in the GroupMe rooms where we've got card break rooms, the Prospect One Room, baseball, tons more. Check it out in thisleague.com. Today on the episode is my Arizona Fall League preview show. This is the whole thing. I waited. Usually I do it right off the shoot. I just didn't this time, and I timed it up to the opening day of the Arizona Fall League because, yes, October 2nd here is the start of the Arizona Fall League. It actually kicks off tonight with an interestingly new schedule. Not Really actually the biggest fan, especially because I have like, you know, availability in the daytime. But the new schedule, a lot of night games, which might be good for some. Some dual games, because I also love the idea of being able to do double headers. But either way, there's still Arizona Fall League. So on this episode, I'm going to be breaking down all of it. We're going to talk about each roster, the big names, the secondary names, some sleepers I think we can pay attention to, guys that were just added. There actually have been four, five players that I've noted since the initial rosters have uh, dropped that have been added to the Arizona Fall League rosters. We're also going to take a look back just for a second at the accuracy of my uh, Arizona Fall League guessing game. Usually I'm pretty good. I was still decent, except I literally missed on every single top prospect because none of them are here. That's a, the other kind of like big thing about the Arizona Fall League. So This whole thing is my full preview breakdown, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And hopefully I'm going to be right, because at the very end, I'm also going to give you my thought on an MVP before the whole thing starts. I'm going to give you a breakout hitter. We're going to talk about the guy that will walk out with the most fantasy buzz, the MVP, and we'll home run leader. And we'll talk about the pitcher of the year that I think will come out of this. Some of these are obvious. Maybe some aren't. But this all will just be my take prior to really doing any of it. It's very good to talk to you guys, and I'm glad you're here. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. And if you have enjoyed it throughout the year, make sure you rate and review if wherever you listen to allows you to. I don't know if it does. I mentioned this before, but coming up you know, over the next month, the new schedule where this is how it's going to lay out. Today, 
you may have missed it, depending when you're listening to this. On Monday, I'm doing an 11 a.m. Eastern live stream on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash in this league. The only problem is if you missed it, you have to have a sub to be able to rewatch it. You can do that for free with an Amazon Prime account, or you can just pick one up. Uh, otherwise, if you're live, there's no worries there. And I'm going to be just answering questions. We can talk about the Arizona Fall League. We can talk about prospects, the ever, when is it posting, prospect update, all that type of stuff. But as we go, every Tuesday is going to be the live stream where we're going to chat about the Arizona Fall League. So every Tuesday, we'll see how the Tuesday goes. I am open to a Monday, I suppose. There's not a ton of Arizona Fall League games that are coming up on midday Mondays, and I would be able to do them around 2 p.m. Eastern, but let's try it out. So next Tuesday, we're going to do a live stream. Same thing, Arizona Fall League chat. We will turn it into a podcast. So we can have two podcasts a week because we will have Friday episodes where I'm going to be talking all Arizona Fall League. We're going to be talking about all the prospects, guys that are popping, jumping up, answering AFL questions. That also will maybe be kind of designed to the listener thing. So again, Tuesdays, twitch.tv slash in this league. Noon Eastern is where I'm going to be dropping that. And um, hopefully you guys will join. Hopefully you guys will hang out, ask some questions, and then we can make that into a podcast and then we'll have AFL stuff. And that is going to lead into the end of the year, obviously, where you've got the first pitch conference, which is going to have a lot more content. We're going to be doing the P180Ps and breakdowns and uh, just probably and hopefully a robust breakdown of prospects in general into this offseason for some new stuff that I have planned. But this is like literally my first day in six, seven months where I haven't got, you know, get up early. I was doing leading off on fantasy pros every single morning and that had me getting up early and focusing. And then that would lead into another podcast. So some of the things have pared down a little bit so I can kind of get recentered. And that's what the plan is going to be here. And all of that's fine and dandy. But the most important thing here is we're going to talk about the Arizona Fall League and let's do that here in just one second. But I do want to remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by Sid's Graphs. Dennis is actually in town. I'm going to see him today. He's going to be doing a signing with Brock Wilkin, I actually think today as we're recording. Nelson Rada, Jacob Mizorowski, uh, Jackson Merrill's coming up soon. Corbin Carroll's one of his clients, Jackson Churio. He's got in, an incredible list of awesome clients. Multiple guys out of this year's draft class. I just told you Brock Wilkin. He's also got Colt Emerson, and they're always in the works. So I'm going to see Dennis, but you can check out all his awesome stuff from cards to helmets to bats to balls. Arizona Fall League stuff out there. He's got some clients in there. Go and check him out at Sid's Graphs online or go to eBay store. Just type in Sid's Graphs. You'll find him there. Enough of the enoughs. Let's get to it. The six Arizona Fall League teams, what it's all about, the players to pay attention to. It's a big old Arizona Fall League primer. And let's do it right after this. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Say, I like you. I like you so much, I'm going to make you my partner. All you have to do is find the gold, and I'll share it with you 50 50. Prospect One. 2023 Arizona Fall League. Here we are. It is here. Six teams that are comprised of five major league teams prospects. So if you're wondering, if you're not already familiar, I imagine you're familiar, but hey, there might be plenty of people that this is their first dive into paying attention. You know, a big question for a lot of people is like, who cares? <laughs> who cares? This is not a league that counts for anything. It's not It's not an off question. You know, I give, for obvious reasons, I give way more focus into this and the Dominican Winter League or something like that because I'm here, but also kind of like the Dominican Winter League, but maybe more so here. You know, the, the Arizona Fall League, it is... It's still a version of the finishing school. I do think it's different. I think this looks very different than it's ever been before. I've kind of been critical because the roster's kind of, in a relative nature, they stink. They stink compared to what they've been in the past year. Does not mean we're not going to have awesome, there's awesome guys here and we're not going to have these huge pop-ups. Hell, it might be better than ever because there's so many names that aren't, you know, in your face that it's like, oh my gosh, now this, you know, this guy's coming. There's always that possibility. I and mean, that's not a bad thing. But the finishing school aspect doesn't feel the same as it did last year, where, you know, I think we had upwards of 40 players that played in the Arizona Fall League last year make it to the majors. So when you ask, who cares? Well, you want to care because in theory, a lot of these players are going to hit the majors next year. And some of them, <laughs> Again, in previous years, I would have said earlier, I don't think there's a ton of players that are going to break camp. I can list off a couple that I think could do that, but these will be players within the year that you're going to get a focus on. The other thing, there are people like me. There are a few others that are here locally that'll be here a lot. And then there will be the wave of the first pitch conference, which will have, you know, 75% or whatever more of the fantasy baseball industry is going to just barrel down on the Arizona Fall League. And you're going to have a ton of smart people that are going to be out here. And this isn't a knock, but you will have small sample sizes for these guys to impress these really smart people. And, you know, you can get plenty out of just a couple views on someone. You can get the gist. Are you going to get like the everyday intricacies of these guys? Maybe not. Obviously not. Like I was just talking about this with somebody the other day. Cooper Pratt with the Milwaukee Brewers is someone you just got to see a lot of because I don't think, I don't think he jumps off the page when you just, you know, see a singular game, but man, I've seen him so many times and every time I see him, he hits every time he gives pitchers fits he is never an automatic out. He's on base way more than he's ever not. Every time I see him during the Arizona Complex League and during Instructs, he's just one of those guys. So 
there will be players here that you really, really, really want to see like large sample sizes of to get, you know, kind of the gist of guys. But my whole point is like, you know, you're going to get like basic like swing path stuff and you're going to have the physicality of a player, um, you know, swings that you fall in love with. And a lot of guys will have a baseline of like how these guys have performed while here and then they're going to get to see them. So there's buzz. There's going to be buzz. I'm going to inherently create buzz. Um, other really cool people that are here that'll be doing video. I'm not clearly not the only one. They'll talk about a player and people get excited. And then the industry is going to come down here. And then we're going to look and we're going to be like, holy crap. Ivan Melendez is insane. This guy's raw power is 70, blah, blah, blah. So whether it is trying to get ahead in the offseason on the prospect market where maybe they're free agents or people aren't paying attention or getting ready for first year player or taking advantage of the hype of players and kind of getting out and trading, that's what's important. Getting a edge on the rest of your competition and maybe picking up somebody that is going to be a real producer for you. So if that's not your thing, that's fine. These games aren't really televised. They did they toyed around with it a little bit last year. Maybe they'll do more. I haven't heard about it. You know, you'll have like the Fall Stars game and I think they did the championship game and there might have even been like every Friday night or something they did it. So maybe there'll be a few of them, but it's just not a lot. So you're just going to have this spattering of information coming out. So if you just want, if you're interested, you want to, you know, be on top of it, see how an all an all starish type of uh, set of rosters of, you know, this top prospect and this top prospect playing together, and then how do they all play against each other? You know, peer to peer competition at that level is very unique. So that's why you would be semi interested in it. Like if I have to sell you on it, but going and looking at the teams real quick, you have six teams. They are all locally based cities. Here in uh, in Arizona, you have the Glendale Desert Dogs that are comprised of the Dodgers and the White Sox. That's their home facility. So they're always on there. Joined by the Boston Red Sox, Minnesota Twins, and New York Mets. So that is Glendale, if you happen to come out and you're focused on them. Mesa. Mesa Solar Sox. This is going to be where the Cubs play. So the Cubs are there. The A's are there because they're right down the way. You'll also have the Yankees the Astros, and the Orioles. So all the prospects on those will be comprised of the Mesa Solar Sox. They have awesome logos, and people like to come out, and they like to you know pick one team where there is, their team is on. You've got the Salt River Rafters, which my Diamondbacks are. Diamondbacks and Rocky share a facility, so that's them. They'll be paired with the Braves, the Tigers, and the Pirates. you got the Scottsdale Scorpions, one of the cooler logos. That has the San Francisco Giants. They're going to be paired with the Angels, the Phillies, the Cardinals, and the Nationals. Two more teams. My local team here, my favorite logo, the Surprise Saguaros, the good old Saguaro Cactus. I think it's awesome. That is the Rangers and the Royals paired with the Reds, Milwaukee Brewers, and Toronto Blue Jays. And finally, the all-star team of you know the rosters here, the Peoria Javelinas. Javelin is a pig, by the way. It's a wild, mean, it's a mean-ass little pig. Tries to come after you. It's not chill. It If it sees you, it will chase you. They're big, and they're, they run in packs. So I, I have had encounters. If you live in Arizona, you've had encounters. Surprisingly, of all the animals, of all the things on this, it's a bunch of deadly-ass stuff now that I'm thinking about it. It's like the desert dogs, coyotes. The sun, maybe the most dangerous thing here in Arizona. Wild pigs. The rafters don't fit. There's practically no water here. But, you know, cactuses, 
I'm more scared of Javelinas than I am Scorpions, if you live here, believe me. And other teams are going to be scared of them as well. It's got the Padres, it's got the Mariners, it's also got Cleveland, Miami, and Tampa Bay, and it is the closest thing to OG Arizona Fall League teams uh, this one is because it's just littered with awesome talent. So definitely a team that you're going to want to focus on. So those are the six teams comprised of each five major league teams and their prospects. An interesting little wrinkle that I don't really recall before, but we are stepping in to the AFL with four players with major league experience. And there's a part of me that thinks I'm missing somebody. I feel like there's going to be one other and someone's going to be like, as a matter of fact, like there'll be one I'm missing and it, I might, and it's probably a pitcher if that's the case, but I don't really, oh, you know what? Is it, Ooh, is it this guy maybe is the other one? Are they all playing on the same team? Uh, no, it's, I don't think it is, but, uh, oh no, it is. This is one of them. Okay. So never mind. I found it. I found a fifth player that has major league experience and it is a pitcher by the way. So I have five, maybe you'll find another. I don't recall that in the Arizona Fall League, having that those that many players that had major league experience that had not exhausted their prospect eligibility. Another thing, in the past, there seemed to be more stringent rules to the Arizona Fall League. It was like prospect eligibility. You know, they weren't supposed to be like, you know, low A. There was like international exemption. There's all this stuff. I just don't think it's really out there anymore. Typically, you don't see AAA guys here unless they're like really old. Uh, 25, you know, 26 and rule five. Again, there's all these roster exemptions to things that I just don't think quite exist, but you have five major league players. And one funny thing that's happened two years since I've been out here is we have had injured major leaguers in the playoffs come here. Kyle Schwarber was the most famous. Schwarber was this was the Cubs run. He hadn't played all season and he came and he played like three games out here in the fall league to get ready to go play with the Cubs. Last year, I think it was Tyler O'Neill came here, was here. And then the Cardinals got eliminated and didn't end up playing. So that was like a weird one. Like he was here, he was added to the roster. He was playing in a game that night and then the Cardinals got eliminated and he was gone. So that was like a weird one. So the players, by the way, there are, Five players represented from three teams. The Royals have sent out Nick Lofton and Angel Zerpa. So relief pitcher Zerpa and Nick Lofton infielder. Both of those guys with major league time. They are going to be here in the Arizona Fall League probably playing a decent amount and would be pretty obvious players to break rosters next year. If we're really breaking this down, like Nick Lofton is probably like the most interesting of anybody. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, but maybe there's something there with Zerpa. The Braves are sending two starting pitchers that have major league time. One pitched like a week ago, like less than a week ago. Darius Vines. Darius Vines, who has played has pitched five games so far this season, started a couple, 20 innings, a 3.98 ERA. He's going to come out here and build those innings up. That's, I think, what the plan is. He has 20 in the majors. Uh, in the minor so far this year, he has another 49. So he had 140 the previous year, and he's like right around 70. They're going to pitch him. They're going to let him. They want to push him. He'll probably pitch every start, get him another 30 or so innings or whatever the hell it is. He'll get out there. The other one is Dylan Dodd is out here, and the guy I discovered was Thaddeus Ward, who used to be Boston Red Sox. He was actually out here in the Fall League last year, 
and he's with the Nationals, and uh, they're sending him back out. He's had a handful, I think, 20 or so innings so far in the majors and 20 or so innings in the minors. So that's why. They're just building up the innings. And that's the thing. That was the whole finishing school aspect of this as well, is you have the finishing school, and then you had players that suffered injuries, missed time, and this was a place for them to get more work in. And there were players that didn't end up coming here that would have qualified for that. But what this league looks like this year, I'm so, and there's three things, and there's Rule 5 eligible. Those three look more condensed to two, and it's weighted. So let's say in previous years, it was weighted the, the biggest part of this was finishing school. Oh my gosh, look at all these. Look at Acuna. Look at Vlad. These guys that are trying to you know get just that little pushover, those 400-something at bats or whatever they got in the minors, get it closer to major league. We're ready for the majors. Finishing school was number one. Number two, probably rule five. And number three was injury. Now I think that's flipped. And the finishing school aspect of, oh, let me just get more innings and stuff. I think that's the bottom of this league. I think the number one is that building up more reps. And number two is rule five. Players that are really going to be rule five eligible slash like might be roster moves. You know, teams only have so many minor league spots. They might be looking to trade players or let other teams evaluate their players. That's a that's a funny thing that happens. Every single game, there are scouts from all the teams that are out here and they're looking at these guys. And we've even seen trades happen during the Arizona Fall League in the past. So that's the flip in my mind is we've gone from, hey, this is a big prideful. These guys could be in the majors and how exciting is this? And let's get those extra innings and come here to that being the least because teams are moving 19 year olds up to AAA in one season to get those extra innings. And they're now incentivized to bring the prospects up. So, you know, the, the, some of the really great MLB rules have affected this league, but that doesn't mean that's going to change talent. But those are five players that have major league experience that'll be out here in the Arizona Fall League. So that's a little bit new. While these guys are all out here, they will be playing about six weeks of baseball. And it's going to be uh, bared down in like the fifth week is when the co the conference comes here. You're going to have about four normal weeks, Sundays off. And then in the fifth week, there's a home run derby. And then there's going to be the Fall Stars game, which is on a Sunday, which will be followed by a play in, uh, playoff and a championship game, which ends culminates on November 11th. So six weeks of baseball. There's a little all-star break in there. Home run derby they did last year. <sighs> did Jordan Walker? Uh, Heston Kerstad, I think, won that one. And then um, they'll have the all-star game, and that's where we'll have all the crazy coverage. Okay, so those are your parameters of what's going on around the Arizona Fall League. So let's talk about the teams. First up, the Glendale Desert Dogs, the Coyotes, if you will, of this bad boy. This roster is... All right. A lot of these are just all right. I don't want to be dismissive of it. I have three categories, big names, secondary names, and sleeper names, if you will. The two big names, and I'm loosely doing this. So like, don't get like butthurt if like, you didn't say, blah, blah. I'm just trying to find categories for these guys. I think if you want to talk about big names, the two biggest names come from the White Sox, the home team, and the Mets. Colson Montgomery, the biggest guy here. 287, clearly missed time. That's why he's also, not just to say that he wouldn't have been here, but he only had 223 innings this past year. He had eight homers, hit 287, had a 455 OBP this year. 
He had the same amount of walks as strikeouts, which is a nice adjustment from the year before. The year before, in 350 at-bats, he had 54 walks, 56 this year in 223, and he obviously cut those strikeouts down. Doesn't, uh, doesn't steal a whole lot, but really making a different altered path in his overall batting approach. It's very, very Corey Seager-esque. You know, Corey Seager found a whole new way to be successful. I mean, he found his new success on just absolutely demolishing baseballs. I remember when it wasn't actually when like stat cast became huge, but as it was becoming way more prevalent to people and paying attention, it was like Corey Seager was this guy that had completely turned over and started hitting balls like 114. And there is that in Colson Montgomery, who also doesn't steal, has had physical comps to Corey Seager. I don't think he's as good of a hitter. I'm very excited to see this newer version as he's kind of grown out a little bit, gotten a little bit bigger, you know, from an overall power perspective based on what he did last year, I think the power seems to be rising, but he has about put up a full season over two minor league seasons. So this is why this is that important. Someone that I've always really liked, and this is that flaw that I have where I get somebody imprinted in my brain and there's this thing about them, and I, I really try to work more and more on changing the eval, but I also don't want to be aggressive in change of eval. I think some people do that. It's like, this is what I saw in this guy. Oh, this is now this guy. I don't want to always assume the now is everything because there is a pass to good production. All of this is built around Kevin Parada. Kevin Parada, watching him at Georgia Tech, he was bonkers. Just huge contact hitter, had massive power. But since he's come to the majors, that batting average has not been there. Um, the strikeouts have been massively prevalent. It's been crazy. He did move three levels this year, but he really only played well at high A. He had like a handful of games at low A, nothing. Double A, ugh, 14 games, only hit 185. But while he was in high A, that was his kind of sweet spot. Parada hit 265, 11 homers, still struck out too much. He was just such a good contact hitter that had that raw power. I really thought he could be in line of being like one of those like elite. I don't know if I wanted this kind of Ramuto-ish. There was a Ramuto-ishness to him. And I think he was stealing some bases at Georgia Tech. And that's gone. That's not there. I'm very excited to see him. He's not as big as he was before. You know, the, I mean, again, like in a previous year, these would have been like, third, fourth guy on most of these rosters. But Parada has a chance to kind of recoup some of the value. A lot of you guys spent relatively high first-year players on him. I'm very hopeful that he's going to turn this around because I think there is a buy low in him. Kind of tough to buy low on catchers in general. There's that whole resurgence of value and stuff like that. So maybe I'm off, but I just think there is 25-plus homer power. And I also think this is a guy that could hit 300. But maybe things have completely altered, and we'll see. But you want to talk about big names? Those are the big names on this team. Now, here's your secondary names. Uh, first off, Brian Ramos. Brian Ramos, also with the White Sox, missed a bunch of time. That's kind of his bag here. Big EVs, big power, 81 games, hit 15 homers this year. Kind of in line with last year where he hit 22 and 120. Hit 264, almost identical in line to last year. Everything looks about the same. Hitting doubles hitting homers. He was able to bounce back from an early struggle. And the thing that's exciting about like him and Colson Montgomery, they're kind of the younger guys here. Ramos is still only 21 years old. Ramos has, Ramos has an opportunity to really thrive here. 
I've seen a lot of Cuban players come through here and dominate and play really, really well. And that might boost up his value. You know, is that going to ultimately mean like we're big buyers on Brian Ramos? I don't know, but I've seen plenty of, and he's not like necessarily typical of a lot of the Cuban players that might come through where there's a guy that, you know, he will be in the States for one year and then come over here. Like Brian Ramos has been around for a little bit, but I think he could find some success. Brainer Bonacci with the Boston Red Sox. He is a secondary name to keep an eye on, and he might even float the line of like how much people pay attention. But this year hit 297 across two levels, 11 homers, stolen bases, took a huge downtick. I wonder why. I wonder, I mean, less games played this year. I don't know if there's an injury base. I'm really, really going to be paying attention to if he gets hyper aggressive on the base path. I wonder if that's something that could happen here because we've seen some guys uh, Johan Rojas, Zach Veen get really aggressive. I feel like this is a guy that could get hyper aggressive, and I think that would be a positive sign. There's some good catchers here. Parada, well, I guess they're teammates, so I'm not going to do that, but like Keegan and Harry Ford and, and Nathan Hickey. I mean, there's some good catchers here. I'd love to see him trying to steal some bases on these guys. I think that would be a positive sign that adds to whatever that power is, and it looks kind of real. In 79 games, he had one less double than he did last year in 108 games. And this is across uh, both high A and double A. The batting average relatively maintained. He had more homers. Or actually, he tied this year's homer amount with all three of his other minor league seasons. So 11, he had six, two, and three. So he was able to have as many homers this year as he did in all previous years. His doubles were pacing out better. Strikeouts weren't going in a great direction, but he had the highest batting average of his career and the stolen bases went away. So what is it we're going to see? We're going to pay attention. I think he could get hyper aggressive on the base paths. A rare pitcher sighting. And I will say this, this is a good segue to it. I actually believe this is kind of one of the better pitching classes we've seen in the Arizona Fall League. I also wonder if that is to be true and what if the hitters are going to struggle a little bit? I listed off four of the five major leaguers that have major league experience are pitchers here. There's a lot of pretty like tough relievers, and there's some good pitchers. We're going to talk about them. Jake Eater might be one of them. That is really to be seen. Eater was traded midseason over to the White Sox, and he in both of his double A his double A stints are kind of impossible. When he was with the Marlins, he was doing all right. Strikeout numbers look good. ERA was a little bit inflated. He got blown up when he moved over. And I don't really know what you take of that. Also, he had 56 total innings, which is around 120, I think it's 128 total in his career since 2001 due to an injury. So that's a lot of missed time. He needs to get some big innings. He's a big lefty who's got some pretty good, big old sweeping slider. I think he could get a body count here. And I'm kind of excited to just see ultimately what this is, if he's consistent, you know, if he can hold this. We've definitely seen guys that have not held this before. It, Eater reminds me very much of like a Quinn Priester, like in Quinn Priester's time when, uh, when he was here, like he just built his innings up. He kind of, he did fine. And then it kind of got blown up in the majors. 
I wonder what that's going to look like. Is Eater going to just show some fine stuff that hitters just can't get on top of? Or is he going to just blow this stuff by some of these guys? So Jake Eater, I think, is definitely someone to pay, pay attention to. On the sleeper market, this pitcher is with the Dodgers. We'll have to see if we go relief or not. He's a big dude. I actually just saw him a week ago over in camp. Ronan Kopp, six foot seven, 21-year-old lefty with the Dodgers, and we know how they build them up. 72 innings, 107 strikeouts this year with a 299 ERA, all in high A. They just let him marinate there, do his thing. Little bit walk heavy. He did have 50 walks. That's something in 1-3-1 whip. But Cop is a big old dominating lefty. And there's a couple, I mean, Eater and him, both lefties on this lineup. I think that's somebody that could pop up. I think he might be a sleeper to pay attention to. And then finally on this team, I, I want to say there, there are other guys, you know, just giving you some roster construction. Aaron Sabato, he's a big, you know, he was a big name as far as like card collectors and stuff, completely tanked with the twins. He puts up like, I think about like 118 EVs. If he can ever make contact, that would be interesting. Um, uh, Jacob Burke with the White Sox, Corey Rogier, Jake Vogel, like there are some decently fun names, fun-ish names in the prospect world that are going to be really great to pay attention to. But if you want to talk about sleepers, I'm going to be paying attention to Kalai Rosario. I think I said his name correctly with the Minnesota Twins. Rosario has some big power and he showed it off this year, though he's been very slow rolled. He's 21 years old, plays in the outfield. I don't know if he might ultimately be a DH guy or not, but he hit 21 homers this year in high A. 21 while hitting 252. 364 OBP, 831 OPS, highest OPS of any season, highest slug of any season, most home, more homers this year than he did both years combined, more doubles, but also a lot more strikeouts, a lot more strikeouts, but he played in more time. 157 strikeouts is way too much. It's way too much. We're talking 30%. So what is that going to look like here? Is he going to cut it down? I will tell you, I think he's going to step into some homers and he might be someone that, you know, we kind of dig, especially if that that bat starts to pop off a little bit. So that's a sleeper to keep an eye on with the Glendale team. All right, let's go all the way across town to the Mesa Solar Sox. I've listed only one like star, if you, if you will. I'm using very liberally all of these, but the big name player is Kevin Alcantara. And if you want to actually talk about like swagger, and star mentality, Alcantara might be number one of everybody because there's some big name prospects that are very low key dudes. Alcantara is a very big personality. I've been around him quite a bit. Big six foot six, still listing him in the 180 pound range. Had a really great season, really phenomenal season. He played high A and double A. Most of it was high A where he hit 286 with 12 homers, 15 stolen bases. He did a little bit of business at the other spot. So it's, he's like listed as a as a three spot mover, but it really was all at high A. But he hit 284 on the season, 13 homers, 15 stolen bases, strikeouts, you know, teetering, teetering in a worrisome ish area, but nothing to be massively concerned about. Very uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. like lots of doubles. He had 26 doubles this past year. You'd love to see him walk a little bit more. He actually walked a little bit less this year, but also struck out a tiny bit less. Stealing bases. Alcantara is 100% a 2020 potential guy. Makes some really loud contact. He's starting to make even better decisions as well. He is going to be featured while out here. Like when he'll be, whether he produces or not, like Jason Dominguez, he'll be at the Fall Stars game. 
Uh, he will be featured in a lot of stuff because it's a big personality. He's a cub. It's his home ballpark. I also will say this. I always think there's a slight advantage to these guys that are familiar with the ballpark. I think there's a comfortability factor that plays just a tiny role with some of these guys. And I just liken that to, you know, if the guy is a stud and you're a wheeler and dealer, just keep that in your mind that like some of these home guys might have a little bit better opportunity to really feel comfortable and understand and fit right in and just mold in and start smacking baseballs and their hype gets up a little bit. And if you're wanting to move off of guys, just pay attention to guys like, you know, Ivan Melendez and the Diamondbacks facility or Alcantara here. It might give them a slight little edge. It doesn't take away from anything like Alcantara is exciting. If you want to talk about pure power speed combos, I would say roughly off the top of my head, like him and Carson Williams are probably the most exciting, you know, for like real 20, 20 plus players. And he is the star of this team that everyone's going to have their eyes on. There are some secondary players that you're going to want to pay attention to. James Triantos, uh, his teammate with the Cubs is going to be here. Missed a bunch of time during the season. He was kind of like always an obvious guy that was going to end up being here. He He did get 300 at bats, but he's needed more. He hit 287 this past year with 16 stolen bases. The power has not developed. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll just be a middle line guy here. You know, I don't think he's going to shine. I don't think people are going to like absolutely fall in love, but he might be kind of sleeper-ish to some people. Into the sleeper market are the Astros guys. I mean, the Astros traded off so many of their players, but they brought over both Kennedy Corona and Zach Desenzo here. And I think both of these guys, these guys I'm very excited to watch. Kennedy Corona put up some video game type of numbers this past year. Only 5'10", 23-year-old outfielder, had 22 homers and 32 stolen bases across, really in double A. There's like a short little stint in high A. 331 OBP, a bunch of, he actually had more homers than doubles this year, which is hilarious, but also a lot of strikeouts. So that's a little bit of the Kennedy Corona thing. Like in what world of reality do the, does the power in speed really connect? Then you come over to the opposite end of Zach Desenzo, who I think might be the guy that everybody starts really falling in love with because of the physicality. Six foot four, 220 pound outfielder, a little bit older than Kennedy Corona. He played majority of his stuff in double A. He didn't put up quite the video game numbers. 18 homers, 22 stolen bases, but he hit over 300 and over 380 OBP. A little bit less of a strikeout worry. More del- There's more power potential with Desenzo, yet he stole more bases. I'm not making this comparison, but it's very Jordan Walker-esque. There's probably, there's no similarities. I'm, I'm going to say like, there's no physical similar, like swing similarities and stuff like that. But you want to talk about the physicality standpoint of like a big six foot four outfielder, more stolen, you know, who shows off the stolen base marker that can supersede their power. Very st- statistically uh, Jordan Walker-esque. He's one of those guys. I would also say I put him in the secondary names because I think a lot of prospect people know him. He would also be a sleeper of mine. I'm very much, I'm very excited to watch Zach Desenzo. A couple sleepers on this team, if you guys want to pay attention, actually both coming, at least in my eyes, at this moment without seeing them, are from the Baltimore Orioles. Carter Baumler, 21-year-old pitcher for the Orioles who had a 3-1 ERA this season, and he just missed time. That's it. He's 17 total innings. But in those 17 innings, he struck out 21, gave up only 10 hits, a little bit of a walkie walk issue, but still a 1-1-2 whip. 
it's going to be very exciting to see him. I think I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get some starter rolls out of him. Sometimes these guys will come in for a couple innings. Sometimes, I mean, I've seen guys go seven, depending on the player. I want to say it was Max Freed. Max Freed might have been the guy years and years ago that took part in like a, it's like a no hitter, but it was like over three or four different pitchers. Tuki Desant, when he pitched here with the Braves, he went a bunch of innings. I like to see Car- Carter Baumler go, but that's someone I've got my eyes on. And another guy, just because the Orioles churn these players out, Billy Cook, kind of a bigger 24-year-old outfielder. I don't know if it's going to be with this team, but the reason we're paying attention just a tiny bit is 24 homers and 30 stolen bases. He did it double A this year. This is okay batting average, 251. There's some strikeout issues, but big counting stats. A lot more homers, though, than doubles. Billy Cook maybe is one of those guys that, you know, injury here or there gets an opportunity or maybe what's another team, a little bit of an older draw. That's someone I'd be taking a look at. Max Muncy is here with the Oakland A's. If you paid attention to him, John Rhodes is another player you might be familiar with as well. And they actually added two new players. Both Cubs, Carter Trice and Christian Franklin have both been added to the AFL roster. They're on the roster. I didn't even see the, um, the move, but there you go. If you check on the rosters, you'll see that they're there. So Christian Franklin is someone I love. I think it was Arkansas. I loved watching him at Arkansas. This is a dude that is massively on my radar. And uh, this past year in 99 games, he hit 12 homers, 14 stolen bases, hit 254. He walks a bit more um, with those strikeouts. I could see myself falling back in love with him. Love to see him get an opportunity here. So it's like a big, that's like a big power outfield. I think I said DeCento is an outfielder, by the way. He's listed as an infielder here. Um, what's interesting, that so there's an interesting note. He's listed on his player page as an outfielder, but he is listed inside the roster on the infield. So I don't know what that means. Are they going to try him at first or something like that? But uh, Desenzo, Corona, Franklin. Oh, and there's a third addition. I apologize. Lazaro Armenteros with the A's was the guy that was added a couple weeks ago or a week or so ago, right after the rosters were posted. So if this team has added three new players since everything was posted. Some good names, not the biggest names in the world. Uh, oh, one other sleeper. God, I keep forgetting about these. I don't know. I think I might have put this somewhere else. Is uh, Miguel Ulola with the Houston Astros is another player I'm pretty hyper-focused on as well. Kind of inflated ERA this year in 90 innings. Didn't look so good, but did strike out 116 last year. Had a 3-2-5 ERA and 120 strikeouts. I'm kind of stoked to see what he can do out here. Just see what his stuff looks like. See if he's a starter. There's a lot of guys that aren't starters. And that's like, that's the bigger overarching kind of issue. But this Mesa team, not as stacked as it was last year with Jason Dominguez, but it's got some pretty big names. Prospect one. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. We're going to go down to my team. This is actually where I'm going to probably head off the AFL. Is the Salt River Rafters. That is the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Rockies. And this is where all my dudes are. 
The Rafters have got they, they've such a crazy weird roster. Probably the best pitching from top to bottom, if we're being honest. They've got two major leaguers in Dodd and um and Dylan Va- and Darius Vines. They've got Wilmer Flores with the Tigers, who has been here before, has experience. They've got Jaden Hill, who I loved in college, watching him and Kumar Rocker go big change up. Loved him. They got Blake Walston with the Arizona Diamondbacks, who's here, who had a kind of iffy year. And then they got Jackson Job. Jackson Job, absolutely, probably the biggest name. One of two. It's actually another Tiger. One of the biggest names out here. And Job is going to must watch TV. The toughest thing for me is going to end up being about like guys like Tiedemann and him. Like, I got to see their starts. And I really hope I can line things up because sometimes I kind of preset my games. But either way, Job in his recovery, 64 innings this past year, each little level stop. He went one in rookie ball, but a high, a double a The majority was at a and high a, and he was great this year. I mean, his overall ERA was a two, eight, one 84 strikeouts in 64 innings with a mind numbing six walks. That is the thing that could make him the most valuable pitcher here. He could be one of the biggest risers. I'm just telling you right now, we are going to have stat cast data. We're going to have some tracking stuff. You're going to have scouts. You're going to have people. You're going to have big RPMs. If he's not walking guys in the Arizona Fall League and guys aren't getting to him, he, he only get, he get a little bit of homer problem, nine homers in 64 innings. If the homers don't get to him and he can stack some innings, he's going to be stupid and people are going to freak out at the pure raw stuff. And we've seen where that's gone before. I mean, Forrest Whitley, was probably the best pitcher I've ever seen here. And then he just completely fell apart. I think Job has a potential to be along those lines. So this is a huge opportunity to recoup his value. And if you're just like, I got to get out pitchers, great time to start thinking about him. Let everyone know about how awesome he is and you can trade him or buy on him before the buzz starts picking up. I'm a buy on Job. I like, I like a guy that has huge, big spin numbers and also not walking players. That's very exciting to me. So absolutely honed in on watching him. But he's not the only one. This team actually is quite a bit better than the others that we've talked about. Jace Young, Josh's brother, is the other kind of big stud on this team. 265 this past year with 28 homers. He did it across two levels. He hit 284 when he moved up a level, 254 down in high A, which is great. And his power output. 14 homers in high A in 80 games, 40 plus games also had 14 homers. So, I mean, the he got better as he moved up. This is another opportunity for him to get going. The, a small thing to understand also about the Salt River. The guys at Salt River will have, if they play in Salt River, will have daily available uh, stat cast data. If you know how to do the numbery thing, you will be able to get stat cast data on every guy. This is something that happened years ago. Uh, Brett Beatty in the opening day was like 110, 110. Some of these guys, you're going to, these will be the names that you're going to get more stat cast data on than anybody else. When team, when the away teams come and play, you'll get some, which is fun. But Jace Young with that 28 home run power has a, another real opportunity to thrive here. And I think he will. I really do. One of my favorites, and this is a guy that, you know, the season, what he did, already sold enough. But if you're not on Ivan Melendez, there's going to be a 
big old jolt for him. The strikeouts are worrisome. Way over 30%. But he hit 30 homers in 96 games this past year while still hitting 272. And he's now going to go to a park that he's familiar with and has stat cast data with typically not great pitching. Ivan Melendez might come out of this as one of the biggest beneficiaries of anybody. Eno and I have already talked about him. The pure raw power is there. He might hit double digits here. I think he's going to go nuts. The only thing that'll stop him is if those strikeouts become a huge, massive problem. But with StatCast data and stuff, it's going to be stupid. So I think those are the studs. The secondary players, not to, you know, really, Ivan Melendez, I could probably take off of that and put into this same category as Sterling Thompson with the Colorado Rockies. Rocky sent out two, two outfielders, one that has a big name and Sterling Thompson. And Thompson is probably more fantasy viable than Benny Montgomery. Benny Montgomery is here. That hasn't been much. Sterling Thompson, though, 14 homers, 17 stolen bases with a 293 batting average this past year. No crazy big strikeout worries. Can walk a bit. Hit the ball hard. Played at Florida. Six foot four, big body dude. Very excited to see Sterling Thompson. I think this is another rising guy. He's inside my top 100 anyways. That's another one of those. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, very quietly had a weird, an awesomely weird season. AJ Vukovic. AJ Vukovic was a 2020 guy. I actually didn't. I don't think I'd listen to him in that 2020 conversation because there was quite a few. He did it all at AA this year. Hit 263 with 24 homers and 20 stolen bases. Why is that interesting? Because he's also just a big-ass dude. They list him at 6'2", 210. I don't know. It's probably 6'3", 225. And he's stealing bases like crazy. He stole 36 last year. That's 56 stolen bases in two seasons. Now, comfortable, stat cast, homers, stealing bases has been more prevalent in the AFL. Book is a guy that's going to get people's attention. It's a pretty swing, barrels up the ball. If he's making good contact, I mean, the problem is both of these guys are strikeout issues, but if he's making good contact, he's going to shine. There's a take that I have that hopefully I remember. Maybe I could just kind of say it here, but I will say there's a theme, a pretty big theme to the AFL in why I think pitchers could shine a little bit more. There's some free swingers here, man. There's some big old power loopy swingers that if you got pitchers hit in their spots, we really have a chance to have a lot of pitchers kind of shine here. And hopefully it doesn't take away from all the offense or anything like that. But, you know, on the good hitter days, you're going to have balls flying. But on the bad days, you might have the Ricky Tiedemans of the world striking out nine and three innings. That type of stuff is what I'm saying. Um, going over to the secondary players, got a couple for you. Uh, Alessandro Ercolani, if I said that correct. There's no way I said that correct. Uh, actually, you know what a fun fact is? All of my sleepers are with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I didn't even realize that. All the guys that are kind of the sleepers to pay attention to. Urkelani, I believe, is the youngest player here. 19 years old. He's a pitcher. In 65 innings, he struck out 66. Had a 4-4-3 ERA. I believe Jeff Pont singled him out as a player. We're going to want to pay attention. Anytime you get a 19-year-old pitcher here, pay attention. Please pay attention. Guy, I'm going to be watching a lot. This is one of those guys that I think... When he starts to move up, I don't know if he's like a good study type of player, but I do think this is the type of guy that is a major league player. It's Jack Brannigan. Jack Brannigan didn't go nuts this past year. 22 years old, went A and high A, 
but he did hit well. 19 homers, 24 stolen bases, hitting 275, has a really good swing. I think this is a, a major league contact swing. Those power and stolen base numbers suggest maybe at least he's a 15-15 guy. On a good year, maybe it, you know, it alters in one direction for a little bit more elite. Maybe this is a guy that can be a number two hitter if the strikeouts kind of taper down a little bit. Unfortunately, he is at a 30% mark while also walking a decent amount. So let's see what that looks like this year. Only put up 87 games this year and only has a little over 400 career bats over the last two years. But Brannigan has a live bat. He will be someone I have my attention on, as well as Jace Bowen. Bowen, a 23-year-old outfielder, he's going to be out there coming off of a 23-homer, 26-stolen base season. Strikeouts, eh. Average, a little eh. But he has got speed with pure raw power. He did hit double-A this year for just a short stint, but the majority of it was at high-A. So he was a little bit older at level, but... This is one of those guys that was like his player page is a second baseman, but he's listed as an outfielder here. So we're going to have to see how all these rosters really push out. Now, that was kind of my subjective list here. I do want to say uh, Hao Yu Lee is here. He was with the Phillies. He's now with the Tigers. I am very much excited to see what he looks like. 273 average this year, 16 homers, uh, six, or I'm sorry, 16 stolen bases with six homers. Drew Romo is here. Caleb Roberts with the Diamondbacks. He's a catcher. It's kind of fun. You've also got like Chris McMahon, who a lot of us liked, but then went to the Rockies and we're like, oh, okay, maybe not. Those those just didn't qualify in the places I was talking about. They didn't qualify as like the big names. I didn't really put them as sleepers. I mean, I'll tell you like, I'm just waiting. If Jaden Hill looks amazing, I'm just, I'll fall in love. But I think Jaden Hill might be a reliever at the end of the day, but that's what this team looks like. Pretty solid. Dave McCabe with the Braves is someone to pay attention to. Some solid names that might push out a little bit more fantasy value than you guys are prepared for. Next up, we got the Scottsdale Scorpions. This team has got some pitching. Uh, the top two big name players, Cooper Jerpy and Takoa Roby. Takoa Roby actually would have been on the surprise team. They also have got Thaddeus Ward, who's got some major league work as well. And just scanning through, I do have a sleeper name for you. Will Bednar was um, someone that was here last year. He's back. But Jerpy and Takoa Roby, those are your top guys, both with the St. Louis Cardinals now. Jerpy's coming off 51 strikeouts in 41 innings, a 3-5-1 ERA, but only 40 innings he pitched in high A. Whip was a little bit inflated. Want to see if those command numbers come back up. And Dakota Roby showed off just bonker stuff after being traded. And I think that got people really excited. He had a five ERA with Texas. And then when he went to St. Louis in four starts, had a three ERA. This is a, I mean, he's also one of those like not big walkie guys. 50 strikeouts in 12 innings with the Rangers. 19 strikeouts in 12 innings with three walks. So 50 12 over 46, nine, only three in 12 innings is pretty, pretty good. Six homers over 56. Roby has the potential to go bonkers here. I also think there'll be a comfortability level of just him pitching back in Arizona. So this team has got a couple high end pitching this name. I'm putting it as a big name because of the name, not because of the talent necessarily. I don't want to be like mean or dismissive about it. Robert Hassel. Robert Hassel, as I was told, actually requested to come here. It's not been good. It's a L for the old Welsh here. 221 this past year, nine homers, 15 stolen bases, and all the strikeouts. I 
think he struck out more than any single player on this, even more than uh, Ivan Hernandez. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think percentage-wise, but 161 strikeouts. He's not stealing enough. He's not hitting enough. The power isn't there enough. Who is this guy going to be? He actually was on the AFL roster last year and like broke his hand in the second game. He hasn't been the same since he was traded. He never did. The body never developed like I thought it would, which would generate the new power. And then the hit tool completely regressed. Maybe some of it was mental. I always loved his approach. I loved his ability to make contact. I like how he turned on the, I like his decision-making. It just went poof, gone. So who the hell knows? That's going to be the big thing out here. Can Robert Hassel recoup value? Huge question we're going to be asking ourselves. And a huge focal point is getting those at bats. Does he look any better? Is he still making the worst, the bad decisions? You know, it feels very Nick Gonzalez-ish when Nick was out here last year. And it just, you know, he was always pressing. And you had pitchers that were hitting him really hard low. And, you know, in this league, there's some really good left-handers. And there's better pitching. If he can hit better here, I actually would feel a little bit more optimistic because, you know, like I said, there's the Tiedemans and he's not going to go up against Jerpy, but, you know, there's some good pitchers that are here, some guys with some major league work. If he can hit for average and show a little bit of power, huge, huge sign for him. Over on the secondary market, that's actually where I'm more excited about this team. One of the players I am most excited to watch, if you've listened to me, you've probably heard me talk about him a little bit. Victor Scott, the second with the Cardinals, 303, nine homers, 20 doubles and 132. That's not super exciting. 94 stolen bases. He actually fell three stolen bases short of stealing more than he struck out this past year. Victor Scott is a stolen base monster, but I really wonder what does that power look like? Is it real? Nine homers is not nothing. It's not awesome, but is is and could he be an Estuary Ruiz? That's kind of where my big hyper focus is going to be. I think he has the opportunity to absolutely shine here. And he also has the opportunity to completely fall apart. If he does not, if he can't make any contact, and I'm not talking like little dribbly dribbler stuff. I don't want to see that. I want to see like good contact, but he also has to get on base. If, if he can get on base, you're going to see stolen base numbers that could rival Zach Veen. Something to be encouraged about. Low ground ball rates. Last year uh, in double A, 40%. It's a little bit higher in high A, 48. But he was able to improve it as he moved down, pulling the ball a little bit more, getting the ball in the air as well. Uh, pull rate went from 42 to 43 and a half from high A to double A this year. So where does that change? If the pitchers are being tougher, can you avoid getting the ball on the ground? Can you get it in the air a little bit more? Victor Scott could be a huge riser. And that's why I'm like pretty hyper-focused on him. One of the coolest stories and another guy that can rocket up lists here is Reggie Crawford. And the reason behind that is Reggie Crawford is a two-way player. But Reggie Crawford is coming here to hit. He is not here to pitch. And the Giants are kind of doing this thing now. You know, Bryce Eldridge, they drafted and they're going to allow him to, uh, or they, well, in the complex, they just had him hit only and not pitch. And Reggie Crawford is going to come out here and try to get that back going. And I don't know what that's going to look like. Does that is that mean this is the the area they're developing him more for? Maybe. Um, maybe he reached the limit of what they wanted to do with his arm. That's kind of what Bryce Eldridge was, as, as he told me. That it was like, okay, we're going to hit. We don't need. To, we want to really savor that arm. Maybe that's the case. But 
Crawford is a big dude, six foot four, two thirty five, muscle, power. But it, will there be contact? And I don't know. I've mentioned tough lefties that are here. He's a lefty. Reggie Crawford might be the most physically impressive player that we see here. People are going to see him and fall in love. If he hits, watch the hell out. I don't know if he's a better hitter or pitcher right now. And if we can see some consistency, it might be really good. I worry that that's not going to be the case. But it's a big name. It's a big name to pay attention to. Sleepers for the list. One pitcher, one hitter. Trey Lipscomb with the Washington Nationals is someone I'm paying attention to and kind of throwing into the sleeper market. 14 homers, 10 stolen bases, 272 average, 29 doubles. Is there power just waiting to push out even more? Trey Lipscomb, if he gets the playing time, that's going to be a big key. Six foot two middle infielder. I'm excited to watch him. That's a guy that I think could be a sleeper. And former Cub, who's now with the Nationals as well, DJ Hers. DJ Hers, 22-year-old pitcher, another one of those lefties that are out there. 343 ERA this year in 22 starts, struck out 133 over 94. Walks, eh, didn't give up a lot of homers. 94 innings, gave up only five homers. Command is a little bit of an issue. Let's see what that stuff looks like out here. I remember, I think it was Owen Casey had said DJ Hers was like one of the best pitchers that Cubs system had, and he ended up getting moved to the Nationals. He could really re-improve his stock, and he will be kind of a must-see guy out here. So he's he falls along the lines of kind of like my sleeper market. Other players you might want to pay attention to, um, oh, this is another guy I completely forgot. Here's number six, Israel, Israel Pineda with the Nationals. He hit the majors. That's our sixth player. He's on this roster. Jimmy Crooks with the Cardinals. Sonny DiChiera. If I, oh, I might have butchered that one. That's someone we might want to pay attention to. On the pitching side, Luke Murphy with the Angels. You know how they go. Thaddeus Ward is there. No other pitchers I'm really honed. Jack Choate, six foot six with the... Um, with the Giants, that's someone I'm I'm kind of like a little bit hyper-focused on. That's another one. Those are a few pieces on the roster. Two teams left. My home team, the Surprise Saworos. This team is led by Ricky Tiedemann. He is the star. He's my favorite player here. I want to make every single start I can. I really hope I can. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann this past year had a very scary arm thing that was rumbling around circles of how bad it could be. He ended up coming back. He pitched, kind of moved through all the system, but he only got 44 innings this past year. And he struck out 82. <laughs> struck out more batters this year in 44 innings than he innings pitched last year. His ERA was inflated due to some of the issues. He did not give up homers. He only gave up one homer. Command, walks, that's the stuff to watch. But he should get a full go. As long as the arm's good, he should get a full go here because they need those innings. They need him to press. If you know he this is one of the top guys that you would want for next year. The only downfall is he didn't get the innings. You know, had he pushed his innings up to like 110 this year, maybe next year he could push like 140. He's now going to get the innings maybe up to 70-something. So it's going to be really tough for them to push him past 110. So they might have to baby him. I don't know if he breaks camp, but he's got the star power. I think he's the most electric pitcher here. He's like near the top of my over. He is the top prospect I personally have here because I really love Ricky Tiedemann. So he is the stud. He's the star on this team. But they got a lot of other interesting talent. My favorite guy to talk about is Abimelech Ortiz, which I'm going to confirm with him if I'm saying his name right. I believe it could be 
Abi Milik. Abi, I, I, there could be more E, Milik, uh, that's involved in it, but I've been going with Abimelech Ortiz. I'll get that confirmed. He was one of the big power hitters, 33 homers this past year. I home ballpark, I think lefty. I've seen Matt Mervis. I have this homer. If you ever, I think I have two of his homers from the AFL last year, but the one that looked like he picked off his shoelaces, that was in Surprise Stadium. Surprise Stadium, you can hit some balls to that right field. And as a lefty, Ortiz, I, I really think Ortiz is going to like, shine to people because it is prolific power in a home ballpark and you're going to get the industry bearing down on a guy that hit over 30 bases that isn't 25 years old. Ortiz is 21 and he's playing the outfield. They're saying here, not like first base. I think he'll DH a bit, but the, the Homer power is stupid. 30 homers. He hit 294 as well. He had an almost thousand OPS He's going to be one of my favorite players to pay attention to. I think he's got a huge arrow pointing up in his direction. You've also got Eric Brown. Eric Brown missed a ton of time. He actually told me a few weeks back that he was going to be here in the Arizona Fall League. Eric Brown steals tons of bases. My prediction this year was he was going to hit for more power. That was true, but he only hit six in 72 games, 263 at-bats. He only hit six homers, eight doubles. Power wasn't there. He didn't make that translation yet but he did steal 39 bases this year. So he is a huge stolen base threat. Still love him. He is one of the nicest guys as well. We are back into the territory of Robert Hassel. Can we recoup? I would have said two years ago, the biggest name coming here was Gavin Cross. Not so much. Oh, what is Eric going to do? Eric's going to have a reckoning with his namesake. Er uh, I was about to say Eric. Gavin Cross it's been putrid. I can actually tell you Gavin Cross was playing in Instructs a couple weeks ago. So as soon as the season ended, he came here. He's already been putting in the work going to Instructs games. He's now here to get more at-bats and work on whatever the hell they're trying, however the hell they're going to fix it. Because he hit 203 this past year, had a sub 300 OBP. He had an almost 30% strikeout rate, like just there. He did steal a bunch of bases, 23, only 12 homers. Big doubles power. The power is there. The physicality is there. His decision-making, awful. That's kind of what I saw on Instructs as well. Still doesn't look like he's making really great pitch selection adjustments. Maybe, I mean, that's why you send him here to see, you know, see what you can work on, get hands-on, maybe get some other coaching. He's a big name, but I don't think it's like what you want. I don't think it's in the big positive realm. There are some sleepers to pay attention to. A couple from the Texas Rangers, Mitch Pratt, another lefty. I don't even, I'm not even paying attention to all these lefties I'm bringing you guys. But Mitch Pratt is 20 years old, in high A this year, had a 3.54 ERA, walked only 17 and 61 innings pitched, struck out 73. Let's see what that looks like. Let's see him push some innings this year. I'm kind of stoked to get. I hadn't really seen him, even though I'm like right by the Rangers. I hadn't seen a bunch of him. I have seen a decent amount. Of Cam of Cameron, I guess he, I don't know if he's going by Cameron now. It's Cam, but Cameron Colley with the Rangers, he's kind of pushed into the new up and coming utility ish type of shortstop that we thought Sajazi might have been, and Sajazi's gone. But Colley hit twelve homers, stole thirty six bases in hundred games this past year. Average hasn't been great. He has not hit over two fifty five across multiple years. 
but he's stealing bases like crazy. He made an adjustment for power. And the Rangers this offseason were doing a lot more uh, weighted vest training. So I think that's where the power comes. So now let's see if um, the average kind of pops back. That'll be a really important one. And then finally, Jacob Hurdubisi. And I know I'm butchering that. We'll get that fixed. But he is an older prospect with the Cincinnati Reds. He qualifies on the sleeper market, A, because he's 25, and he might find a spot with another team. But also, it's because he ended up stealing 45 bases and hit 330 this past year. Now, double A was a decent portion of it, but in 36 triple A games, he hit 390. Power just, he only had seven homers, not a lot of doubles. There's some triples in here. This smells of the type of guy that could hit at the top of an order. He had more walks than strikeouts. Another very encouraging thing, 77 walks to 63 strikeouts. That's encouraging. That seems like a top of the order guy. Can steal, he can hit, he's a little bit of power, He's older, he's got the body, six foot, 180, 185. Let's pay attention to him. He might be a sleeper. Jacob Hurtubisi. Hurtubisi? Hurt, U-B-I-S-E, however we say that. Some other fun names. This actually team has a lot of fun names to pay attention to. C.J. Van Eyck, as far as pitchers go. Angel Zerpa, who I mentioned, you know, had some major league time. You've also got Beck Way with the Kansas City Royals, who used to be with the Yankees. Adam Seminaris, who used to be with the Angels, who's with the Brewers now. I The production wasn't there, but I always kind of liked Bryce uh, Hubbard, who's with the Reds. He pitched at Florida State. Really bad year. He's going to be out here. And a few more hitters. Wes Clark, prolific power. He's one of those guys that could kind of like reboot some of that value. Hendry Mendez with the, um, the Brewers as well. Deson Brown, and I mentioned Nick Lofton. So this team's kind of loaded, you know what I mean? They also added Ian Muller with the Rangers. He was added to the roster whenever, and he's going to be doing some version of the catching duties for this team. So surprise, he's got some good pitching. Uh, Mike Jacobs, if you remember Mike Jacobs, former first baseman, he's actually uh, one of the coaches for this team. So he got some good coaching, some good pitching, solid hitting. This might be one of those teams that, is in the championship game. I just throw that out to you. But that, I'm also optimistic. Finally, the main team, the big team that everyone's going to want to focus on, the Peoria Javelinas, because they have got some studs. The big name players, Kyle Manzardo. Funny enough, even if he was a Ray, he'd still be on this team. Manzardo missed a bunch of time. Really wasn't sure if he was going to be out here. He's one of those guys that's like, you know, when I was talking about Alcantara being like, a top prospect with the swag. Like Manzardo's a kind of quieter dude, but he's a top prospect-esque player. Batting average stunk this year, really, really tapered back. He actually had more at-bats this year than last year, but both missing time. But his average fell almost 100 points. 236 this year, but he had 17 homers and 27 doubles. Strikeouts popped up a tiny bit. Nothing to worry about. He still walks a bunch. Really found his rhythm. Dealing with some stuff. Manzardo can absolutely revive. He has a very like Royce Lewis feel to me, you know, weird, crazy year that screwed up the numbers, something where I would be a dumbass and I would be like, so let's talk about uh, how bad of a year you had. And then he's like, what? Like, remember what I did with Royce Lewis? Like that type of thing that I would know not to ask. Manzardo is easily one of the studs here, but he's not even remotely close to the only one. Carson Williams. Carson Williams, who I hear a ton about from lots of people, this is going to be huge for me because people tell me I'm low on him. From a statistical standpoint, I think I might be. 
23 homers, 20 stolen bases, 21 doubles. You like that? But 158 strikeouts. Don't like that. 257 average. That's okay. That's okay. Gets caught stealing a whole bunch. I think, I mean, his swing is beautiful. Absolutely. He has that like pitcher-esque turn on baseballs. Okay, so let's see it. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it in play. And he's going to be playing with a bunch of other stud guys. So let's go. Harry Ford. Harry Ford, one of the bigger names. Best catcher that's out here. I think Harry Ford is a fantasy stud. He's a 2020 at the catcher position. This past year, he hit 15 homers with 24 stolen bases in 118 games. Harry Ford is a monster. He's going to be a team leader here. You've got Ryan Bliss, who you guys know I love Ryan Bliss. Maybe the most excited to watch Ryan Bliss. Doesn't get out. All that dude does is hit baseballs, and all that dude does is steal 20 or 55 bases with 23 homers while hitting 300. He maintained that through the year. Strikeouts, I ain't worried about. He had 30. As I've clicked on these, no one's had more doubles than Ryan Bliss. 34 doubles of any player I've mentioned. We're still on the studs with maybe the guy that I have theorized could be at the top, Chase DeLauder. Chase DeLauder, big six foot four, 235 outfielder, missed a bunch of time, played 57 games this year, hit 355, did not strike out. He walked a bunch. Five homers with 22 doubles. 22 doubles in 57 games with five homers. That is misleading power with a very leading batting average. Can hint to where you think I think he's going to end up going this year. Those are just the studs. By the way, they're coached by Morgan Innsberg. Isn't that fun? The secondary players that are not even that secondary. Uh, you've got Nathan Martorella, who I never loved as much as everybody else. I, everyone else was like, it was a Carl Manzardo light. Like, yeah, kind of performed like this year's Carl Manzardo, not like the previous year's. 19 homers, 30 doubles, 255 average over 135 games this year. I'm excited to see what that power looks like. Big old lefty. He'll be doing it with, dude, I'm telling you, if they wanted to mess with people, they could put out, you know, and did you ever play like video games where you like created all the players and they were all like six foot five, 280 pounds, or you put all first basemen in this team, bunch of mashers. I mean, they have got Manzardo, Martorella. They got Tyler Locklear as well. Tyler Locklear with the Mariners is a big, huge power, power bat. Another one of these guys that might thrive here. 288, 13 homers in 85 games this past year. Stole uh, stole 12, which is actually kind of surprising. He's going to be playing some third base here. I mean, between that big old crew, that is massive, massive power. And someone I really liked coming into this year, I talked a lot about, I just hated how he didn't get moved, was Dominic Keegan, who used to be with Vanderbilt. Dominic Keegan did move two levels with the Rays this year. Way better at A-ball. He hit 315. Hit more homers, more power at high A, but the batting average sunk. I really want to get my eyes on him in person because I watched him a bunch at Vanderbilt. Catcher, I wonder if they'll probably play him at some first base because you've got Harry Ford out there. They've also got another guy, Paul McIntosh, who's going to be catching. But Dominic Keegan's another one of those players that we're going to want to pay attention to. Sleepers, I've listed off so many players. I think the biggest sleeper on this team, and I know he's not a sleeper for a lot of people, is Graham Polly. I mentioned him on Rates and Barrels, and I know there's plenty of people that talk him up. I think from what I've garnered, I think Clegg might like him. 
23 homers, 22 stolen bases, 308 average, almost a 400 OBP. He did it across three levels this year, going all the way up to double A, and he hit 300 at every single level. You love to see that. I actually saw Graham Polly when he played in complex, I believe it was last year, but he got big. Polly got big, dude. Uh, they list him at 6'1", 200. I think he might be past that. Uh, Eno had theorized that maybe this is the type of guy that is is a trade piece in the offseason that the the Padres move, which would be interesting because if he gets a if he gets an opportunity somewhere else, I would be even more excited about him. So it's a lot of hitters. On the pitching side, I don't really have a lot for pitching for you. Um, Jagger Hayes with the Padres, maybe somebody. This is probably Ryan Webb I saw once. Again, more lefties. Uh, Drew Somers with the Rays is another one of those guys. Big, huge dude, but probably more of a reliever. It's probably going to have to be like, see these guys in person. I don't have any I'm going to identify as someone I'm super excited about. Also on this team, in a prove-it situation, is Jacob Berry. Former first-round pick, used to be U of A, LSU. Jacob Berry has absolutely stunk it up. I've heard horrible reports across the board, not like as him as a person, but just as a baseball player. I hope that changes because there was a time to be very excited about him, but he hit 233 this past year. Power kind of went away, but I also wonder if that was maybe an approach change. You know, the counting stats kind of dissipated, but I wonder if he needed to make some big approach changes. We'll see. Nas- uh, Nasim Nunez is also out here. That might be someone I pay attention to. Christian Caro, Miguel Caro's kid with the Guardians. This is a super fun roster. This is a very, very fun roster. If you happen to be coming out here, you're going to pay attention. If they're playing in um, in Salt River, you're also going to want to pay attention because this is where we're going to get data from. I'm going to see them three times this week in different variations. So I will have lots to bring back about all of these rosters. All right, some AFL awards, if you will. Fantasy buzz. The fantasy buzz. I'm actually going to give this to two players. Who is going to walk out with the big fantasy buzz? Victor Scott II and Abimelech Ortiz. Big power, big stolen bases. Those guys are going to be my my fantasy buzz players once people get eyes on them. Your home run leader for the Arizona Fall League, Ivan Melendez, the Hispanic Titanic. I think he's hitting double digits here. He might push himself up into an MVP type of conversation because of it. I'm a little bit worried about where the... You know, like I said, where the average goes, but I'm going to go with your biggest power output being Ivan Melendez. And that's that's not just being cheap here, because think of all the big bats I've talked about. Ortiz had 33. Tyler Locklear is a freaking monster. Kyle Manzardo is a total freak with how he takes that bat. But I'm going to go with Melendez. Your pitcher of the year, Ricky Tiedemann. I'm cheap. Your not Ricky Tiedemann pick, Takoa Roby. Best combination of stuff, comfortability out here familiarity as well. And Deco Roby was on a beeline up. I probably should put Jackson Job in here, but I'm just all I'm doing is saying all the best names. I think Jackson Job's ceiling is the highest of anybody here. If he doesn't walk and the spin is just messing everybody up, he's going to rocket. He's going to go on a rocket ship. So he might be the highest potential rocket ship rank of anything. Put him under the fantasy buzz for pitcher. Roby, I think might be locked, and I just think Tiedemann's going to go. My MVP, I've already said it in places, go with Chase DeLauder. I think DeLauder's ability to hit for contact, his sneaky power that doesn't really show up when you look at homers, but you look at those double numbers, 
I think when he gets going with the guys that are going to be on base, I think he's going to be able to hit well at 350 plus. I think you'll have four or five homers, a bunch of RBIs, bunch of runs. He'll steal some bases. I think he'll do a little bit of everything. So Chase DeLauder is going to be my guess. And that leads to the last thing I was going to mention to you guys. How did I do? How did I do in my prediction game? Who cares how I did, right? Who cares about the game itself? It is weird, though. So check this out. On the Scottsdale Scorpions, I don't go nuts. I would I tended to try to give like three names per team that I thought could make the Arizona Fall League. If I hit two of the three, I'm like, sweet. I did a good job. Sometimes I might put four or five on there. So then I have higher standards for myself. I only hit three players for a team for two teams. So I only properly guessed three, uh, two teams having three players here. I only guessed two total players on the Scottsdale Scorpions and the surprise Saguaros. Uh, no, I'm sorry. The Saguaros actually I'm seeing, I actually got to get my, I didn't give myself credit for Tiedemann. So I only got two on the Scottsdale Scorpions. I stunk. I'm still shocked at some. I thought Von Brown was a lock of lock. I thought the Nationals would send one of the big outfielders out there and Cruz or Wood or maybe even House. He's not an outfielder. I thought that was a guarantee. I thought we might see Mick Abel. I was wrong. I got Bednar and Victor Scott right. Though I will say Victor Scott was one of my locks. I was awful with my locks. I think I got one, two, three, four, five, six of my locks, seven of my locks, and missed one, two... Uh, I didn't miss that one. One, two. I guess I was actually pretty good. I only missed two. No, no, no. I have other locks. I missed plenty of other locks. That was in my first category of locks. I missed a lot of locks, um, which is kind of a bummer. But I completely bombed out on the Scottsdale Scorpions. So then surprise, I only got three. Ortiz, Gavin Cross, and Ricky Tiedemann. Shocked Jack Leiter's not there. I'm just shocked. Javier, I'll be honest with you, Javier Vaz and David Sandlin, I heard we're going. So I don't know if they backed out. So that was kind of a bleh. I thought Blake Dunn with the Reds would go. I just stunk that up. No Wyatt Langford. Oh, it just, it all kills me. The Glendale Desert Dogs, I only got four, but I got three of them from the White Sox. Ramos, Eater, and Colson Montgomery. The only other person I got correct was Kevin Parada. I stunk. I mean, look at these names. No Junior Severino. Austin Martin didn't come back. No David Festa, no Drew Gilbert. I was so crap across the board. All the Red Sox I got wrong, though I will tell you Marcelo Mayer was going to the Fall League and then he hurt his shoulder. But either way, that team I did not get. I did much better with these other, well, not much better. I did great with the Salt River Rafters, but with the Solar Sox, I ended up getting only five right. I got two from the Astros and Corona Desenzo. I got Alcantara and Triantos from the Cubs and Brandon Beck. I heard Spencer Jones was on the roster up until the last day. Eh. Then he got taken off. No Jackson Holiday. No, uh, hey, dude, Hayden McGeary. I would have bet so much money that he was coming. No Drew Thorpe. No Matt Shaw. So much potential. Cooper Bowman was one I had heard was on and then he got taken off. So I just kind of screwed the pooch there. The Peoria team, I got a lot right. Uh, two from the Padres and Polly and Martorella. Two from the Mariners and Locklear and Bliss. I got Chase Delauder right, Jacob Berry, who I had heard, and two from the Rays. So I did 
pretty decent on that team. It still had some misses. No Caminero, no Gabby Gonzalez, no Jairo uh, Iriarte, who I thought would be there. But I probably got the most from the Salt River Rafters, where I got three from the Braves, Vines, McCabe, and Ogans, Keyshawn Ogans, who had tweeted about it. I got two from the Diamondbacks, one from the Rockies, two from the Tigers, and one from the Pirates. So overall, it wasn't great. I think I got a lot of ancillary names right, but we weren't prepared for what a wild and weird roster construction this is going to be. And it's going to change my scope of how I approach, not that this matters, but like how I view the players that could come here into the future, because this was a whole new scope of of type of players that came for different for new reasons that I don't think we were quite expecting. I think I, you know, had it been last year, I think I would have hit a lot more. You know, I think Spencer Jones, I think Jackson Holiday would have been the type of guy that would have come here. Maybe even Caminero or Churio. Uh, I have a handful of names that you could probably piece it together, big prospects that would have made sense to be here that I didn't put on because I heard that they declined. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of players that bowed out for Various reasons, but at the end of the day, this is the AFL that we have. Peoria rocks. There's some really good. There's a couple stinky teams, but there are prospects that we are going to find value in across the board, and that's what this is going to be all about. So I will be tweeting videos, all that stuff. I'm going to have content that's only on Patreon. I'm going to work really hard on trying to get stuff up on YouTube, the YouTube.com/slash/inthisleague on the prospect one side of the channel. I'd like to do more of that. I need to dump some of my content anyways. I just save it, you know, like hoarding all of my videos, but I will be out as much as possible trying to do unique, different content at the stadiums, filming, sending you guys clips, breaking down players. We'll do it every Friday here on the podcast, breaking down. And on Tuesdays, when I do the live stream, it's here to answer questions. It can, it doesn't even have to be about AFL and that will be then repurposed into a podcast that will be probably dropped on yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday. I, I haven't decided yet which one. I don't know if I'll wait a day or try to, if I have time to immediately post the episode, then I'll do that. But two episodes a week for the next month. Prospect ranks are in the work. I now have these mornings open, so I swear to God, um, finishing. It's really just like me holding on. Like I could probably post them right now, but it's like, I got to take a look again. Every time I do it and then I step away and I come back, and I'm like, oh, I can't release. I got to like take another look at it. So I've got to just get that posted, but a lot of stuff going on. So hopefully you guys are going to join me for it all. I hope that was helpful in some capacity. That's my view walking into the Arizona Fall League. That's really the big thing. I broke down as much as I can for what the rosters and the teams look like. But this is my thought walking into the Arizona Fall League, who I think can shine, who I think are sleepers. And I'm going to be pleasantly and unpleasantly surprised at lots of stuff. Guys I thought would be good are going to stink. Guys that were like, holy crap, what the hell's going on here? You know, whoever, whoever the hell it is, you, you know, how you leave, he's the best. You know, there's going to be stuff like that, and I will be sharing it all with you. So thanks for hanging out. Go to InThisLeague.com on the Patreon if you do want to sign up, you want to support. And I will also have that live Arizona Fall League blog. It's, it's a, it's like a journal. Like, I'm, it's a Google Sheet that I'm going to have that's shared that when I'm at games, I'll just be filling out random things about players that I want to go back and check up on so you can kind of view it. I'll have tabs for each team. And that's just a unique thing I did last year. So that will only be available on the Patreon as well as my ranks, my dynasty ranks, working on redraft ranks, and we'll be doing the P180Ps here soon. So bunches, bunches of stuff. Thanks for hanging with me. I know it was a lot. I know it's almost, I feel manic sometimes when I do these episodes. It's just me and I'm just like talking and talking and talking and I feel very manic. I hope it doesn't come across like that, but 
you know, there's a lot to get out. There's a lot to get out with the Arizona Fall League stuff. So join me on the journey, which starts today. And I'm excited to have as much interaction and talking with you guys. And if you do come out to the Fall League, say hi, come up and uh, say what's up to me and maybe see you at the first pitch conference, which I have no idea. I think I'm taking part in and some, I'm on the thing. I'm on the, I know I'm going to be doing some podcasts. I don't know what the other stuff, if there's anything else, but I might be doing other stuff and things. Friends, I love you. Find me on Twitter at IsItTheWelsh. Thanks for hanging and listening to me and dealing with me. And next time we talk, it's all AFL, baby. Right here on Prospect One. Bye for now, friends. Bye.